The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Glad to have you guys on board. Thanks to Dick Gabriel for pinch hitting yesterday while I was over at Churchill Downs, where tomorrow is Kentucky Oaks Day and... Saturday is Kentucky Derby Day, and nice weather forecast for both. Not so nice today, but uh, a nice derby weekend. And as someone who's going to be outside, at trackside, covering the race, uh, Kenny Rice and I always uh, uh, are lamenting getting drowned like drowned rats every spring so it's gonna be nice to have a pretty dirty day um and it's actually the second one of the rows it's a september derby was really nice as well anyway enough about the weather let's get to our guest lineup mike pratt will lead us off justin Rowland from cats illustrated and marty mcgee from the daily racing forum that's our guest lineup as we roll into the wildcat news of the day nfl draft night oh and it's presented by the way by kentucky beer cheese our wildcat news of the day NFL draft tonight could feature a Wildcat in the first round. Most of the projections I see have Jamin Davis going in the first round. Mel Kuyper has kind of been the gold standard for draft projections for a long time. I think he had him as high as 16. Um, seen some others that had him down further into the, into, uh, the first round. But looks pretty, pretty likely that Jamin will hear his name called in the first round tonight. Kelvin Joseph, maybe. Uh, there are some projections that have him in there. And then over the next three days, we'll see how many Wildcats get drafted. Some thought it could be the most since 1979 from the University of Kentucky. And all of that just feeds into the great recruiting that is going on under Mark Stoops and Vince Merrow uh, to uh, upgrade the Kentucky football program. So uh, big night tonight for some former Wildcats. I uh, wish all of those guys well on uh, hearing their name called either tonight, tomorrow, or Saturday. Uh, news just uh, breaking earlier this morning that Madison Lilly, Gabby Curry, Avery Skinner, and Kendall Paris will all forego their final season of eligibility. They could have come back and played another season. Um, we um, were talking with, uh, maybe it was Dick Gabriel at one point about this, that Maybe Avery might have been the only one that um, might have given it serious thought since her younger sister's on the team. But all are going to move on with the next phase of their lives. And so I wish them all well. Uh, What a great gift they gave to the Big Blue Nation uh, these last few weeks with a run to the national championship, lifting everybody's spirits, getting everybody together to pull for a University of Kentucky championship run. And uh, wish them all the best as they move on with the next phases of their lives. Uh, we mentioned Justin Rowland's going to be joining us here in just a bit. We'll uh, discuss with him a tweet that he posted for an article that one of his writers, Coach David Sisk, did at CatsIllustrated.com about Severe Wheeler in Kentucky. And David writes that there's, quote, more mutual interest between Kentucky and Wheeler than you might have guessed. 
so we'll see how it uh, plays out over i mean it could be i say we're starting to say the next few weeks could be the next two or three months before this all plays out um but anyway, uh, we'll get into that with Justin joins us. Joel Justice, his move to Arizona State made official yesterday. Uh, so wish him well in uh, his uh, new role as the lead assistant to Bobby Hurley with the Sun Devils. Uh, UK baseball opens up a series tonight at top five ranked Tennessee. Baseball America has Kentucky on its first four out list for the NCAA tournament. So we talked about the importance of winning the Alabama series last weekend. Kentucky's schedule gets brutal, but they've got to find a way to, if they could just at least uh, play at a 500 level through uh, the rest of their SEC schedule. They'd have, uh, I would think, uh, a, a good shot to get in the tournament or to go to Hoover for the league tournament for a chance to play themselves in. But it's going to be tough with the, the schedule they have coming up. UK cheerleaders finished third uh, in the nation in their uh, annual competition. The dance team uh, had their best ever finish in the game day portion of uh, their routines, finishing second, and also finished second in the hip-hop portion, which tied their best finish ever. Our Triple Crown updates this spring are once again presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well. And no particular news to pass along as we're just kind of marking time until Oaks and Derby Day. But I thought there was an interesting quote that I saw from the Derby notes from Bob Baffert, who trains Medina Spirit. And he said his horse was doing well, but Baffert said, to me, it's essential qualities race. So uh, some uh, – and and Baffert's a guy that typically gives you – you know, it's an honest answer on assessing – uh, the competition especially, uh, you know, he, he won't necessarily guarantee a victory for his horse, talk about how well he's doing or whatever, but uh, if he's, you know, knows his horse is a little bit more of a long shot and there's somebody else that uh, has a strong case, uh, Baffert usually will not uh, shy away from talking about that. So I thought that was a particularly interesting comment. You can go to ClaiborneFarm.com to book a tour of the farm. By the way, we're going to head to a break, come back and chat with Mike Pratt. It's the Leach Report. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. We welcome in Mike Pratt to the program. You can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. Mike Shannon and I uh, are big uh, baseball fans. We were just talking during the break about he was telling me the Cubs put their first baseman in uh, last night to pitch in relief because they were down ten to nothing, and he actually struck out uh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves. I know you were a baseball player up at Dayton Meadow Lake High School. Did, were you a pitcher? I was. Uh, I played left and right and first base, depend on the year. Yeah. They ever bring you in to pitch? No, I did it when I was young and, and uh, did it all the way up to my freshman year. And they decided they uh, wanted me. They wanted my. They said they wanted my bat in the lineup. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether that was make believe or just to get me off the mound. You know, <laughs> your one of your teammates was a former Dodger star, and then one of your uh, rivals at one of the other high schools there was a, a Hall of Famer from the Phillies, right? Yeah, Mike Schmidt, next high school over, probably until they built my high school, because Dayton was growing so much, I would have gone to Fairview. 
would have played with Mike Schmidt and Bob McCowan, who later on came to Kentucky. We were all in, in the general area growing up, yes. And then uh, Steve Yeager was your teammate, the long-time yeah, Dodger catcher. He, he lived up by the high school. He lived. Uh, he didn't live in the, the area where I lived, but he was. He was only you know a few blocks from my high school. They dropped the high school right in the middle of a, of a, a development type area. Uh, wasn't a high end development. It was a development, and uh, that's where Yeager grew up. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, tonight's the draft. Let's start there. Um, I see, I've seen where uh, Jamin Davis has been projected by some to go to your Browns. I'm sure you'd be happy with that. I'm loving that. Boy, that kid is, uh, you know, they all, I'm sure they all knew he could play, but I guess when uh, he went to whatever the testing and the meetings, what, however that shook out this year, Boy, he's climbed the ladder, hasn't he? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, he he had a great pro day here at uh, at UK, and just you know, as a guy, I remember uh, about two or three years ago, he had an outstanding spring game. We were doing the broadcast of the spring game, and he was outstanding. But then when fall came, uh, he couldn't get onto the field because of the people he was behind. And um, but you know that that's how it's supposed to work if you're going to be able to compete at the highest level in this league, which Kentucky, you know, aspires to do, is that you're going to have players that people haven't heard about that are as good or better than the ones that are ahead of them. No question. It, it helps you as a college player develop your craft. It pushes you. It should motivate you. And then if, if you're lucky enough to go to the next level, and we hope Janet goes to the Browns, um, you're going you're gonna to play against the best of the best. And you better be used to that kind of competition. And that's what uh, Calipari has done. And I think uh, Stoops is starting to do that himself. Let's talk a little uh, bit about uh, coaching. him has made official yesterday that uh, Joel Justice is going to Arizona State to be uh, the lead assistant to Bobby Hurley there. And then uh, Tony Barbie, that uh, was official last week, got the, uh, the job at Central Michigan. Uh, we'll start with, with Tony, and I know Central Michigan uh, in the past has had some outstanding teams. I, I know back in, you know, the, this was back in the 70s, they had Dan Roundfield and Dan Marley, players like that, um, played against uh, Kentucky, I think, uh, gave Kentucky a good game, actually, in the championship run in 78. But it's been a while for Central Michigan, but that is a good league that, uh, you know, Tony's going into. Historically, it's an excellent league. I mean, back you go back uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that league was full of uh, potential pros, high-end coaching. We Miami uh, was always on Kentucky's schedule back in the day, every mm-hmm. second or third year. And, and Miami was just Freddie Foster who played in the pros. And I'm going back a ways. But then uh, uh, Skirbiak's kid, uh, Walt was in training camp with us, his dad. Skirbiak, I remember when I was scouting for either – the Clippers or Milwaukee, somebody, I can't remember. It's been a while ago, but I watched him, oh, half a dozen times and really, really liked the kid. And he blew up when he got to the NBA. So that, that's, uh, you know, football-wise, it's called the cradle of coaches. And, and uh, basketball-wise, I don't think it gets the credit that it's uh, it's due based upon, you know, the, the good teams they've had uh, recently and historically. And, uh Tony wanted to be a head coach again. I understand that. Uh, we're going to miss him. But um, I, you got to do what you got to do. If that's your drive, 
if, if as the kids say, if that's your jam, go for it, right? Right. And then uh, Joel has uh, been in consideration for uh, some coaching jobs kind of around the, the area where he, he came to Kentucky from, and around, you know, Southern Conference jobs in recent years. And he's been in, in the hunt, and it uh, never did come through. So maybe this will be a path to get him a head coaching job. Yeah, he, he recruited the West Coast uh, very well. and you know, Good point. Guys and, and has some contacts. So I think that really played into the fact that, yeah, sometimes as a coach you wonder – if you keep missing out, like you're the second or third pick in a, in a job search or whatever it may be, you say, um, maybe I need a change of scenery to help elevate myself. Who knows? I mean, Kentucky's a great jumping-off uh, spot, but sometimes you just need to be other places where maybe there's uh, different kinds of jobs that are going to open up and you would have a better opportunity of, of getting in. And Joel wants to be head coach, too. Um, he was a head coach in high school, so um, I, you know, I, I think I think that guy is one of the bright young coaches in the game. I really do. agree. And, yeah, and, very uh, sharp. I'm happy for him if that's what he wants, and I'm pulling for him. Same here. Uh, good guy, and uh, you know, has I think has is will be a head coach that will have the whole package because he can recruit well, but uh, you know, understands. Uh, you know, he came here as an analytics guy for Cal initially, so um, he's kind of on the on the cutting edge of some of that thinking too. Um, real quickly, let me ask you about uh, Severe Wheeler's the latest name to pop up in connection with Kentucky as far as uh, point guard possibilities. Um, what did you think about his game down at Georgia, and uh, how could it fit in here if that came about? Well, his game is, you know, he's going to beat you off the bounce. He's really clever on the half court or uh, in transition, and he's not afraid to share it. Now, you get him inside the three-point line and, and get him uh, – he wasn't really a good trace shooter, but you get him inside that line, and he was pretty pretty accurate, Tom. And uh, But what I like the most about him, even though he's not your typical Calipari guard size-wise, well, he saw the floor. He was – and he could beat you. He could get paint touches, Okay. So uh, I think he'd be a good addition. Uh, I think he'd be a real good addition if that happened. Uh, who do you like for the Derby? Well, you know, essential quality is is uh, Brad Cox. I know him a little bit, so I, I'm pulling for him. But you know, I, I kind of there's a couple other ones I like. Rock your world, and it's a long shot. Hot Rod Charlie. How about that? Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on those. That could be somebody's exact box for uh, for the Derby. Mike, good luck. <laughs> Enjoy the races this weekend. Uh, pick them right now. Pick them right, Tom. We'll do. We'll do our best. That's Mike Pratt. He joins us every Thursday here, courtesy of Burns Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. At Mike Pratt twenty two on Twitter. Justin Rowland joins the program when we return on the Leach Report. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. 26 past the top of the hour. We go back to the phones and bring in Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, it is draft night, and we think Jamin Davis's name will be called in the first round. Maybe Calvin Joseph. Um, any guess on how many Kentucky players, how many of these guys will get their names called over the next three days, Justin? I would guess five or six. You know, the ones that, you know, Jamin probably tonight. I've heard the late part, 21 to 30 range, and then Joseph 
probably early second round, and then after those two, Brandon Eccles, because of the way that he ran, maybe in four or five, right around the same range as Landon Young's projection. I've heard Drake Jackson. I know a lot of people have said sixth round, and that's kind of what I've heard. And the, the mystery for me is Quentin Bohanna. You know, I, I heard he could go in that four to five range alongside Eccles and Young, or I've seen places where he's a little bit lower or even out of it. So I think it's going to be a great event for Kentucky, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I've always said that when you, you get a Kentucky media guide and you uh, circle the guys drafted on a on particular teams and you have more circled names on teams that did really well. That's no surprise. Uh, and so Mark Stoops, when he came here, you know, draft night wasn't uh, any reason to pay much attention to, to Kentucky guys, and he has certainly changed that, and that obviously is one of the, the things that it was going to take to get this program to where they want it to be. Yeah, yeah, and and there are a lot of ways to measure it, but no, no doubt they've made a lot of progress, just the number of combine participants compared to a lot of other really prestigious programs is, is super impressive, and that speaks to the overall depth of talent. They've had the high-end guys, and they've had the quantity participating in these combines, and the way that they've tested is, is just super impressive. Um, it's really interesting to me the way that Jamin Davis tested. Um, I never thought of him as like, wow, you know, he's just a total athletic freak, a specimen who's just got to put it all together. It makes me kind of wonder – if there are some, some other guys who might just test off the charts and just never get the chance to. Uh, but, yeah, he helped himself a lot. Did you see the SEC Network special on Kentucky football spring practice last night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a really well-produced show. And, you know, any prospective recruits watching, I'm sure that they were told to watch it, would have come away impressed because they had all the big names. And I thought it was a really, really well-done production. Yeah, I would have... Uh, that's that's something they'll make sure that uh, gets in front of any recruits who didn't see it. Obviously, it's a it's a great it's the, that kind of thing's a great commercial for uh, for recruiting purposes. Yeah, yeah, and you could see a little bit of practice, not a whole lot. You know, you saw Joey Joey Gatewood hitting Wandale Robinson on a long pass, and Bo Allen making a couple of nice plays, and just kind of Liam Cohen's demeanor coaching the offense and how he communicates concepts and terminology to the players that he's coaching it's just a nice look we didn't get to see a whole lot of them in the spring it's a nice look to to see what they've been up to and again it was it was well done no question more with justin roland when we come right back from catsillustrated.com at roland rivals on twitter it's the leach report from the clark's pump and shop studio in lexington we'll be right back get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show and back to our chat with justin Rowland from cats illustrated uh, there's a writer um, for forbes named tommy beer adam zagoria uh, who's been our show from time to time retweeted this it's an interesting stat just julius randall's on track to become just the second player in NBA history to average more than 10 rebounds and more than five assists per game while shooting over 40% on threes and over 80% on free throws. The only other player in that club, Larry Bird. Um, Julius is having himself quite a year for the resurgent New York Knicks. Um, How surprised, if at all, are you by uh, where Julius has taken his NBA game? I'm not surprised. I mean, I remember his his when you're at Kentucky, there were times 
when, you know, you needed a basket, he'd just go get it better than any player in the country. I mean, you think about that Michigan State game early when they were just trading blows going back and forth all the way to the run deep into the tournament. And, you know, he, I, I don't think he was somebody you looked at and said, this guy is like a surefire all-star game starter, but the talent and the motor and the drive and the versatility all there, and he's really put it together. I think last time I looked, like 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists a game. And he's just stuffing the the stat sheet for a team that that has a bunch of Kentucky players. I know my my timeline on social media has got a lot of Nick stuff on it now, so so I understand it. He uh, was... uh for a guy who put up huge numbers, it came within one double-double of tying Dan Issel's single-season record. And wow. just on that stat alone, I always thought Julius was uh, a little underappreciated here. I think part of that was, you know, when you have uh, a set of twins like Andrew and Aaron that got a lot of attention and were really good, that uh, they're going to uh, probably get a little uh, more or a little inordinate share of, uh, of attention from fans just on that, that angle. But... Uh, Julius, I remember the Louisville game when Kentucky uh, advanced out of the Sweet 16 in that run. Um, he, because he was a guy that would you know, get you the big bucket, he goes into the lane, but rather than, than force a, a contested shot, he read the game and kicks it to the corner to Aaron Harrison to hit the first of his three big shots, the one that going to clinch the Louisville win. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a really fun player to watch, and I, I'm with you. I think he's underrated, underappreciated, if that's possible. I think most other places, if he had that kind of season, you know, that's all they would be talking about for a decade. And at Kentucky, you know, his real impact compared to somebody like Carl Anthony Towns or DeMarcus Cousins is probably even greater than those players because he played more. Cousins with foul trouble and Towns just the platoon system. Just in terms of a, a singular player who's able to just go get a bucket in a high-leverage situation, uh, in important moments in games, and then turning it up for a team that struggled for a lot of the season, turn it up at the most important points, the inflection points. I thought, yeah, you know, he's definitely an underrated player. Let's uh, shift to something that is up at your sidecatsillustrated.com. And one of your writers, guest on our show from time to time, Coach David Sisk, has uh, written about Severe Wheeler in Kentucky. And uh, David says that there's, quote, more mutual interest between the two than you might have uh, have guessed. Uh, what would you think Kentucky's wish list, how it would be ranked in terms of landing a point guard? It's a good at question. The moment. It seems like between Carr and Wheeler and, and Washington – it, it, I don't want to say best available, but there are a number of directions he can take it that you could still feel good about. I, I, I go back and forth on what the best would be. The thing about Wheeler is he's not the most accomplished player at the college level they're looking at. Some people are going to be concerned about a guy under six foot who doesn't have a track record of shooting it from outside consistently. I and mean, if you've got him and Shebway in in the lineup at the same time and a, and a question about shooting at the four, how much shooting are you putting on the court if that's the goal for the team? But I could see Cal looking at him and saying, this, this team needs someone who can get to the rim and who can distribute, who can break a defense down and spread it around, and I think that, that's what he brings to the table. So he's interesting in that respect. And I think first and foremost, they need somebody who can get past a defender, get into the lane and break down a defense to set up shooters that uh, they would have out on the floor. Um, so you ideally would like that person to also be a guy who could uh, be uh, you know a, a solid three point shooter as well. I'm just looking up here on um, 
Dar- what Darius Miller's numbers were in his first year because he became a very good, now it was over four years, obviously, became a very good three-point shooter, but my memory is he was like in the low 30s his first year, 32.7, so better than Wheeler. Uh, second year was uh, 33.6, but then uh, 44 and 38 uh, in his last two seasons. So point being, you know, uh, just because he, he didn't shoot, and we're just spec- talking about a player, he may, may end up somewhere else, but you can, uh, doesn't, doesn't mean that percentage lives with you forever. No, not at all. And you know, at Kentucky, he would have the luxury. He would be surrounded by shooters and talented players. And I think he averaged like seven assists a game. And just over Georgia's last four games, he was averaging like eleven assists a game. He was one of the one of the best passers, distributors, break you down guys in the SEC. You know, at times last season. And you got to think of your Calipari. You're you're projecting how guys are going to translate from one situation to another. Reed Travis not going to be a 2010 guy at Kentucky, even though he was at Stanford. This Wheeler does not have to go out and take the same kind of shots or do exactly the same kind of things on a more talented Kentucky team than he than he had to at Georgia. So, just in terms of the guy who brings what they're lacking, I could see the case for him. Although. I would guess he's probably not going to end up at Kentucky, but I think it is something to watch. Ty Ty Washington announces, we assume, somewhere in the next day or two. What are you guys hearing? Yeah, I, I have not heard where he is leaning right now. I know David and Travis have stayed on top of that, but he's a, he's the kind of guy, kind of like Tyler Hero or Gilgis Alexander, who is peaking in the rankings at the right time. And he's the kind of guy you see, okay, he's in the 30s here, he's in the 40s here, and he shoots up to number 12 on one ranking site. So so those guys, Calipari has a really good track record with, those late bloomers. And I think, you know, in terms of a ceiling, you get into March, if this guy hits his stride, his could be higher than anybody else's. Let's cycle back to football here. Uh, Justin Fields is one of the quarterback prospects. You'll hear his name called at some point tonight. Um, and I bring up his name for a particular a path of discussion here down at Georgia, uh, the team that Kentucky played for the SEC East title back in 2018. He was a Fields was a freshman, and they were using him in spot duty, and he uh, ultimately uh, transferred off to Ohio State and uh, blew up the way Georgia, I'm sure, hoped that he would. But the the point here is with this transfer portal now, are teams uh, going to feel more pressure to? play freshmen particularly highly touted freshmen rather than you know and and fields being an example you know to to go ahead and and throw them in rather than uh lean to the veteran uh who's more of the safer choice because you risk losing the more talented guy who may not be quite as polished when he first gets there think back all the way to like texas with mac brown and major applewhite and and sims you know that's kind of for me the situation to a t that you're talking about I think the good coaches um, are going to be cognizant of that, but the best coaches like Saban, you know, are not going to have their hands tied by it. A lot of people went into this this past season thinking that Mac Jones was eventually going to be beaten out by by their young backup, and it didn't happen. So I think that, I think that is a consideration. It, it, but the best coaches are still going to play the guy who puts him in the position to win the most games. And, you know, for, for me, that situation kind of illustrates Kirby Smart's problem. I mean, no, no question he's done a great job at Georgia, but management of the quarterback position, the offense, 
uh, ha- has been a problem for him, and it's a problem for everybody. It's just, just very hard to keep two good quarterbacks on your roster at any given time because it's so cutthroat, the demand for those starting positions. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting, some of the uh, you know storylines that we're not thinking as much about how, you know, uh, things will play out, how it will affect behavior of, of coaches with respect to, you know, handling particularly highly touted young players and, uh, uh, you know, how Mummy, when he came here, his, he had that philosophy of always playing the freshman uh, pretty much entirely and then redshirt him in the second year if you wanted to. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be redshirted anymore but with transfers, but um, I wonder if freshmen are going to get uh, more of an opportunity than they previously have. Yeah, these these concerns are something that everybody's dealing with. I think you look at a situation like Kentucky's, just to speak candidly, I don't have any inside information, but just the way quarterbacks are transferring, you got to say, well, what happens if Will Levis comes in the summer and he beats out Joey Gatewood? And Gatewood's looking at, am I going to start in front of this guy for the next three years? You know, this is my future. Every school in the country is going to is going to have situations like this to deal with. And I think like with college basketball, you can't look beyond one year. So why does Kentucky take Kellen Grady instead of Justin Powell from Auburn, who could play three years? You just got to look one year ahead. What's the best for this one year? Because everything can change and will change so quickly. Justin, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks a lot. Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. We'll get to a break. Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum joins us when we return on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Thursday edition of our show, we go to the Churchill Downs Bureau where Marty McGee is standing by. (laughs) How you doing, Marty? Good morning, Tom. Congratulations on your alma mater winning that volleyball tournament a few days ago. Thank you. That was such a a neat achievement. Uh, How did your alma mater do in the tournament? They also <laughs> won it. They also you know, won, I was, yes. I, 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 was, I think the first time you had me on a show was probably the mid to late 80s up in the Churchill Downs, uh, the old, old Churchill Downs press box. And uh, I think you had gotten a foothold in the radio business by then, and uh, that's how long we've been doing these things. Yes, I, I remember uh, Ralph Hacker su- suggested one year, so you'll go over and do your nightly show over at the press box at Churchill. It was a great idea because we get everybody who was up there in the press box, uh, and it was just uh, you know e- easy to get a lot of folks to come by and uh, give you a few minutes to talk about the Derby, and it's fun to talk about. Everybody has has an opinion or wants your opinion. Uh, who do you like, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But let me just, uh, as a reporter, you, you kind of uh, not only are listening to what people say but watching kind of how they say it and you you kind of learn to read body language a little bit especially with guys that you're around a lot and i'm curious to what you're seeing from uh the vibes brad cox has given off because he's a guy on the kentucky circuit grew up there in louisville and uh he's got a shot to win the oaks and the derby he does so does a guy named todd fletcher he he's really given off good vibes he called uh the philly malathot a superstar which i i don't recall todd todd saying that about anything so I'm in on her for the Oaks. As far as Brad goes, you know, Tom, he, I was in Mountaineer Park, of all, Mountaineer Park of all places in about 2012 or 13 covering the, the West Virginia Derby, and Brad called me to say 
I just got fired. I'm down to two horses, and he just wanted me to know. And that is how far this guy has come. Wow. In the eight or nine years since then. And uh, he's just his old self. You know, he's so busy. He's got uh, probably a couple hundred horses under his care between here and, and other tracks. But uh, he's a cool customer, and he's uh, he's done a sensational job with both Essential Quality and Mandaloon. And uh, I, although I haven't picked either of them in my top four, I think they have terrific chances. And, uh, uh, you know, it would not hurt my feelings if Brad Cox were to, were to win the Kentucky Derby, or the Kentucky Oaks, for that matter, with Travel Column. I was talking to him yesterday, and I uh, said, how close, actually, did you grow up to Churchill Downs? He said it was two blocks. And I said, well, then you... Your family probably parked cars, right, uh, in the in the yard for Oaks and Derby. He said, oh, yeah, that's part oh, of the yeah, tradition. Uh, uh, yeah, much-needed source of income for some of the families <laughs> around it, yeah. Uh, here's a – let me frame up this question this way. I've done this before with folks on the uh, NCAA tournament when it starts, and it's a, there's a little bit of, an, of a name-that-tune element to it in terms of how many notes you can take. So the, the game is – uh, there's, a, there's a huge payoff on the line to pick the Kentucky Derby winner, but the challenge is to have to pick the Derby winner from the shortest list of names possible. And if I if I've got the Derby winner on my list of four horses, and your your list is only three horses long, you win because you uh, uh, had a smaller list. So, how many horses would you want to have on your list to think you had the Derby winner? I would only think I would need three, and that would be known agenda. King Fury and Hot Rod Charlie. That's my order. One sixteen nine. King Fury is intriguing to me because uh, you know, almost there's a little bit of like a charismatic feel of a horse that just kind of blew up. Uh, and charismatic had run more as a three year old than this horse has, but uh, he had one of those just incredible performances in the Lexington. That everybody kind of dismissed, and he gave it right back in the Derby. It was awesome. And, you know, for a while there, Tom, Kenny McPeak, his trainer, thought he might not get in the derby. He was, like, on that bubble, number 21, 22. And then, as invariably happens, uh, we had some defections, and, and he's, you know, he was part of the draw and everything. As a matter of fact, there's not even any also eligibles for this year's race. But, uh, like you said, he was sensational in winning the Lexington. The, the question is, that was his first race since late November. Is he going to bounce off that race? But if he runs back to the way he ran at Keeneland, my gosh, he's he's going to definitely be a factor. And he apparently had a tremendous workout there at Churchill, right? He did. To me, that that's kind of like window dressing this whole week. People talking about they look good, they're you know on their toes, blah blah blah. Yeah, they're like the twenty best three year olds you're, you're going to find in the world. So <laughs> that that's kind of a matter of course. To me, the more important things are their past performances and the daily racing form. Here I am shilling for the DRF, but anyway. You know, to me, that's by far the most overriding factor in terms of handicap in a race like this. That would be DRF.com uh, in the uh, online world. That would, uh, and that, read Marty McGee's column. Uh, yeah, also available at retail out, outlets in Lexington, <laughs> Louisville, a lot, of different, a lot of different spots. You and Jay Pridman have been tracking these horses in the Derby weekly Derby Watch reports there at uh, DRF.com for uh, quite a while. Uh, essential quality. You don't have uh, in your top three either one of the top two morning line choices, uh, essential quality or rock your world. I'm guessing on rock your world it's it's the inexperience factor. If there's anything else than that, let us know. But what's, the, what's your knock on essential quality? Uh, you know, Tom... You, this is my 48th straight derby. I've seen a lot of wild, crazy things happen. I, I don't want two to one on a horse in a race like this. You know, as I said, I'm a big Brad Cox fan, but 
Uh, no, thank you. I, I think it's, it's far way, way too wide open to, to settle on a favorite like this. His race at Keenan was okay. Uh, the way he, he kind of really it took everything he had to get past highly motivated. And I just think it's wide open for another horse like Known Agenda. Get rid of this uh, one-hole Jenks, by the way, that hasn't won since Ferdinand in 86. And uh, something like King Fury, I mean, a $50 horse would not surprise me like him. And and it's just a, a matter of uh, uh, we had six straight favorites, Tom, win from 2013 to 2018, which was just I was incredulous at, at that. And it's about time for some more wild and wacky derby stuff to, to transpire. That number one post position that got a lot of attention for known agenda, not as big a deal now that they have the starting gate that is 20 stalls side by side rather than two different gates, right? Yeah, that plus it's kind of a it's a tiny bit smaller, sixty five feet as opposed to whatever the other one was. The uh, you know when you, you link together the main fourteen stall gate with the six stall auxiliary gate, kind of clunky and everything. They've kind of re-angled it. It seems like plus to me the overriding factor is you got Ired Ortiz Jr. who is the hottest rider on the planet on known agenda and. It, I think he's going to be able to kind of smooth him out of there and hopefully be mid-pack, saving ground on both turns and, and go from there. Who's your um, pick for the Oaks? I love Malisite. I mean, the fact that Todd... Oh, that's right. You told me that. that yeah, that, that won me over. But I do really uh, fear Clarier. I think she's really the, an Oaks prototype and uh, definitely the horse for Malisite to beat. Marty, thank you much. Enjoy the racing this weekend. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. You read them at drf.com and see all the uh, final thoughts from the Racing Forum team of riders. We'll head to a quick break and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. A couple of Wildcat birthdays to pass along. Ryan Howard celebrating a birthday today. So happy birthday to the star player for UK Women's Basketball. And Darren Hedrick, the voice of UK Women's Basketball and Baseball. Happy birthday. He'll be working on his birthday as Kentucky is down at Tennessee to play top five ranked volunteers starting a three-game set tonight. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Have a good day, everybody. Stay dry. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have